Ashani Dante, aka Mandy, is a renowned thought leader, speaker, and visionary. She's the founder of Flourish Girl, a mission-driven charity promoting feminine leadership and young women's mental health. What makes this episode special is that when we recorded this late last year, Ashani spoke deeply about reclaiming her birth name and being more deeply connected to our Sri Lankan roots. We also chat about spirituality, values, and toxic femininity. With a background in speech pathology and extensive work with leading schools, Ashani is a powerful advocate for mental health among young women and gender-diverse adolescents. Over the years, Ashani has grown Flourish Girl into a successful charity, impacting over 17,000 teenage girls and gender-diverse teens across 100 Australian schools. Her work has earned recognition, including 40 Under 40 Most Influential Asian Australian, Australia's Top 25 Pro Bono Impact 25 winner, and 7 News Young Achievers Award 2022 finalist. We hope you enjoy this episode just as much as we did. So Mandy, uh, to start this conversation off, normally we start our conversations with a, a cheeky little question, but also a, a deep one as well, just to get to, to get to know the guests a little bit better. But um, what parallel universe version of yourself would you want to bump into or meet? Oh. Yeah, it's a trick one, isn't it? <laughs> wow, I did not expect this question. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow, I really got to slow down if you think of that one, yeah. if you're into yeah. it. No, no, take your time. So it's really interesting because there's this concept, something I've been feeling through about timelines and, Mm. you know, I think this will probably come out a lot in the podcast naturally, but how, Mm. you know, we all in life have these like portal moments where it's like a fork in the road where we can choose how we want to show up. And I think like, you know, I know I'll talk a little bit about Flourish Girl and things Mm. today, but I think I would be so interested to know who I would have been if I didn't choose to step out in courage and start Flourish Girl and just like seeing what my life could have been like versus what my life actually is. I would say that's probably who I would want to be. Where do you think you'd be if you didn't start start Flourish Girl? Uh, It's such a hard question to answer. Like it really, Mm. again, the world's our oyster. I could have gone so many different ways, but yeah, I mean, I really don't know. You know, there could have been a world where, because I think before I started Flourish Girl, I was a speech pathologist. And I think there could have been a world where I ended up just choosing the career because that's all that I knew. And I could have just gone through the motions of not loving what I do, Mm. but I need to pay the bills and I need to just survive. But then there's also another world where it's like, oh, maybe I would have sparked a passion eventually. And I would have found my niche in speech pathology I would have opened mm. up my own thing and you know like there's so many different ways it could have gone but yeah you know I think I'm just so grateful for the choices that I've made and the path that I'm on now so it's like the multi- multiverse of madness yeah 100 <laughs> yeah. percent. my yeah, husband and I watched the multiverse the latest uh, yeah yeah Doctor like Strange one the other night different, different <laughs> so good and yeah. Oh, that's I'm so confused at the multiverse already. Like, I know. Well, <laughs> it's supposed to be confusing because the mind's trying to figure it out, but it's like, oh, we're not supposed to understand it. That's yeah. that's what we need to learn. Mm. Oh, that's excellent. So, so what was your what was your upbringing like, Mandy? Because I feel like this type of thinking doesn't just come like that. I feel like it's a it's something that develops over time. What was take us back to to little Mandy? Oh, what a how, time! How, how would you describe your thirteen year old self? Yeah, if, second, if that's yeah. a better way Gosh. of narrowing yeah, it down. What's that? Thirteen years, C seven. Well, yeah. this is really interesting because you know when I, I usually do talk about Flourish Girl, I do go back to Year Seven Mandy, which is around when I was mm. thirteen, and. Mm. Like it was was just such a different person. The shy girl that wanted to get along with everyone. I think, well, there's two frames of it. I think when people saw me in high school, they saw that I was the happy, friendly girl that got along with everyone. But I think what people didn't see was how insecure I was, like insecure Mm -hmm. around putting my hand up in classroom discussions because I was scared I'd get the answer wrong Mm -hmm. to like, actually speaking my truth and sharing how I really was when I was with my friends. But again, I was just so scared that they will bully me or they'll mm. reject me. So there was constant bottling up, which is hilarious, mm. you know, yeah. bottled up. There and, you, you know, <laughs> it's just, yeah, I think there was just so much going on within. And I think, yeah, you know, also insecurities around my body. You know, I went to an all girls high school in Sydney and, you know, I was around 
I was in a very white school, I would say, you know, being around a lot of privileged people and not saying I wasn't privileged. I was privileged to even have a good education as well, given that my parents were the first to come migrate to Australia out of my whole family on both sides. So I feel it was quite, I felt there was a responsibility as well being there too. But yeah, I think just with the body image stuff, I remember like getting out my timetable and seeing swimming as like a compulsory subject for us in year seven. And I just remember... Just that, you know, that like dropping your stomach feeling, that anxiety, that stress mm. you feel. It's like, I would just always feel that. But again, I just never had the language of that. And yeah. Yeah. and I just remember like anytime I would wear a swimsuit, we'd wear rash vests. And anytime I'd get out of the pool, I'd pull my rash vest past my knees because I didn't mm. like the size of my legs. Mm. And there was just so much that I was feeling that mm. I thought I was the only one going through it because no one was talking about it. So yeah. I survived high school, but I... I didn't thrive. I didn't flourish. Mm. And I think, you know, that extended as well to the friends around me. Again, just mm. noticing how there were so many girls in my year level, especially around year seven, year eight, like girls would come to school with bandages on their wrist. And I just remember girls, some of my friends would just show me and I, I didn't understand why it was mm. happening. And like overhear conversations in, I think it was like the ancient history class around how I would hear, let's say Sally, uh, just confidentiality, mm. just like Sally yeah. was talking about how like she was eating an apple a day to lose all this weight before formal. And it was like, mm. all these things were happening. But again, I didn't have the awareness mm. or the language to realize that, oh, this actually isn't okay. When I was in high school, it was only when I left high school and it was around 20, it was around 2016 when I was like two years into being a speech pathologist that I started to reflect on those years. And I was like, oh wait, that's not okay. Like what can we do at a preventative level to make sure that these things don't happen? And mm. I think that's where Flourish Girl was really birthed because I think about little Mandy and I was like, oh, I, can, I can't even imagine who she could have become if she had a program like Flourish Girl. She had mm. healthy role models. She had that support system in place to really see the best in herself so yeah i think that's what kind of created flourish girl yeah wow. yeah you that's very very well said mandy and like just one one question that came to mind like mank and i for us we're very big believers in like equipping people with the mm -hmm. right language to express themselves and articulate themselves obviously coming from being men young men mank you know, you also went to a private school and like I went to a public school. And so me and Mank often talk about the differences that we had. There's there's a lot to unpack. <laughs> there's a lot totally. going to my mind in terms of questions that I want to ask. Um, one thing I wanted to ask is like, obviously you talked about coming from like a Sri Lankan descent and, you know, I make the assumptions similar to us, like all South Asian, the language that we have to articulate ourselves and our emotions isn't always very prevalent. Obviously very different parents are, some are progressive, some are more conservative and you get the whole spectrum. So I don't necessarily want to make that assumption either, but was, you know, going back to your Sri Lankan descent and growing up, did your parents talk about mental health with you? And as you were growing up, like, how did you identify yourself, you know, going to a private school? I assume that you might've been part of a very, like a small pocket of that school's demographic being South Asian. And yeah. um, I myself have kind of battled with, you know, do I call myself Indian? Do I call myself Australian? Do I call myself yes. Indian Australian or Australian Indian? Oh what am my I putting God, as, my, yes. as, as my preferential, as I, as I describe my ethnicity mm. and my background? And mm. I'm kind of curious to know what that journey looked like for you. Because for me, I would call myself Indian Australian now. Um, yeah. I don't call myself Australian, even though I was born and raised here, I call myself mm. Indian Australian. And that for me is getting closer to my ethnic background and my identity and my upbringing. And so mm. I'm curious to know for you, like I've asked <laughs> so much to unpack I love there, it. but it's yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm keen Juicy. to know like, yeah, I'm, I'm keen to know kind of what that journey was like for you and if you could reflect on that time. Yeah, gosh, so much in that. So I think what first comes to mind, it's really interesting just to side note on the Australian Sri Lankan thing. So I've I've also been on a recent journey around, oh, am I fully Australian? Do I? And I've gone through a journey where it's like, yeah, I'm Australian. I'm proud to be Australian. And then I remember a few years ago when I was living in Melbourne and uh, I did a, a young women's program through CMY, so the Centre mm. of Multicultural yep. Youth. And I just remember one of the beautiful facilitators, she was just saying, they actually allowed me to realise, like, oh, I can be Australian Sri Lankan. I can actually own both. So, and again, that's what it is right now. Maybe it'll evolve to just Sri Lankan, who mm. knows? But yeah, it was really interesting growing up. Yeah, I think in just high school, again, I it was all feelings and I didn't have the awareness. And I think that's why I love what we do at Flourish Girl because self-awareness is one of those core pillars. And I feel it was this cultural uncomfortability that I felt, you know, going to such a proper school. And mm. I think in that there was a lot of part, well, parts of me felt like I needed to assimilate and not stand out too much or 
you know, there was this notion of white blonde, like this westernized culture. And I Mm. felt like it was too scary for parts of me and it was going to be too much to fully embrace my culture. Because again, like I was discriminating myself. I was discriminating my own culture, which is really uncomfortable to name even on a podcast, but that was what was there authentically because I had just grown up in such a white Australian culture. Mm. So you know, I get a bit emotional about that. I think because I'm now on this journey where I'm realizing, wow, our culture is so beautiful. It feels so new for me. And I'm like, wow, how did I not choose this before? But Mm. then also fair enough that I didn't choose that before because teenage Mandy just wanted to fit in. She wanted wanted to make sure everyone liked her. So she created subconsciously all these rules and conditions around what it meant to be liked by everyone and culture mm. apparently wasn't on that list for her. So mm. yeah, I think that was really interesting, but it's interesting. I reflect back and there was like just moments where, you know, my mom would always make curry and put it in a flask for my sister and my, my older sister, Mel, we are two peas in a pod. She's the <laughs> yeah. best older sister. Shout out if you're listening. <laughs> yeah. We would always have like in our thermos and have the curry. I don't know if you guys did this as well, but like hundred percent. It was the best. Right. And it was so amazing. Cause I just have all of my white friends that would come and they'll just be so interested. They're like, mm. oh, what do you have today? And I'll share it with my friends. And I remember parts be like, oh, this is kind of, oh, like, I feel like I'm just this alien being like, mm-hmm. oh, I think that was a part that came up. But then also if I look at it, I'm like, oh, like they genuinely are so interested. Mm. Like they, there's so many of my friends that are, you know, white and mm. they're like, I wish I was brown. I genuinely <laughs> had one of my best friends. She's like, oh, really? I just wish I wasn't white. I wish I was cold. Like I, I just wish that. And I was like, oh, that's so interesting. So there's so mm. much flavor and yeah, there's a constant unfolding within that. So mm-hmm. I don't know if I fully answered all of that. Question. Uh, no, you did. Me... No, you did. There's okay. like one like part of my and Mank, I'd be keen to hear yours. Like part of my acceptance journey, like embracing my Indian identity. It's it's quite interesting for me. Like I would have like maybe as I graduated year twelve, I had like maybe one or two South Asian friends. Mm. That was it. Like ninety five percent of them were like white. And I I look back at that time and I'm just like, did I consciously or subconsciously design it in that particular way? And as I went through uni, I met Mank, Ujwal, all these other wonderful people, and they kind of showed me like ah there's other Indian Australians that exist out there that are also kind of going through their own journey and for me part of that acceptance journey was getting that validation I guess from you know my Aussie mates that wanted to be Indian like you know you guys do like five-day weddings you know your food is wonderful your culture is incredible and for me that was like part of that acceptance journey Mm. that kind of helped me in embracing that identity and kind of realizing that hang Mm. on a second like we actually do have a really awesome kind of culture that and art and society that sits behind everything and so for you like if you look back at kind of those little indicators for yourself Mm. did you or or those validating points did you find that that was one of the things that kind of shifted and you were embracing your own culture yeah gosh such a good question gosh there's so many key moments that's allowed me to embrace more of my culture and you know one of them was a huge moment for me I I feel like a lot of women will understand this Mm. but as you can see, my hair is black um, and this is my natural hair color. And I chose to dye it back to my natural hair color back in February this year. And previously to that, it's been 15 years since I went to my natural hair color. So it was when in my teenage years, I started to dye my hair and there's nothing wrong in it. Do you know what I mean? Like this is part of my journey. I'm not saying that everyone needs to dye their hair back to their natural color. This has mm. just been my journey. And yeah, I think just reflecting you know, so many parts of me wanted to be white. You know, she wanted to, We like my teenage, teenage Mandy really wanted mm. to be white, blonde, all of that. And yeah, she assimilated to that. There was parts that assimilated to it. And then also parts that wanted mm. to express that and explore that as well. So, mm. so I think dyeing my hair back to black, there was a real coming home to myself. I just yeah, I just felt really comfortable in my own mm. skin again. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is great. And way cheaper because products are so ex- <laughs> Prox, expensive yeah, when your hair's really blonde. Yeah, so I think That's that was so one of my moments. Yeah, it was. I've, I've seen pictures of you with like the blonde streaks. And yeah. I didn't know that this yeah. story sat behind that. There's a <laughs> oh, full yeah. story. There's a story behind everything. Yeah, I've, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's crazy. So like there's so many key moments, but that's probably a recent one. And then also one of my close girlfriends, Raghavi, who's actually part of Bindi Bosses. I don't know if you guys I've know. Bindi Bosses. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They're amazing. Oh my gosh. I saw them perform like <laughs> two yeah. or three months ago. I was just like, oh my gosh. And I just love what rugby's doing because she's really 
wanting to show like she's all about embracing your culture and I feel being around her and Beanie Boss's their energy and like there's just a real like matriarchy feminine power that comes when you mm. really own your culture and that was a huge moment for me too because I'm like oh wait why why have we been choosing to not do this mm. this is amazing so yeah and I think there's a bit of judgment I think I put on myself because I've grown up so assimilated and like I'm kind of coming into my culture and it's like, Hey, I'm a bit late to the party, but I want to know everything. (laughs) Yeah. And I think there's a bit of overwhelm that sits there too, because I think a lot of people are now on a journey of really embracing their culture. You know, Mm. we think about just the indigenous Australians and just how much people are starting to realize how their ways of living was really the right way to Mm. do it all in the first place. So I think there's like this collective thing happening where it's like, oh, really owning your roots culturally is the way. So, yeah, I mean, those are just some key moments, but yeah. there's probably more. Yeah, Mandy, I, I I identify so much with that because when I when I was growing up, uh, all my mates in high school were all Caucasian. They were either all like Greek, Australian, Italian, um, and there weren't like too many people from a South Asian background around. I mean, it even got to a point when... I'd go to the cricket and I'd been I'd literally be embarrassed by the Indian fans around me like playing the drums and going crazy after every single run and I don't know I'd feel this sense of like a, I don't know you and I, I'm not sure if this was by choice or by desire but like one day I literally just woke up and I literally just went why was I like that I mean I don't know exactly what happened, but all my friends all of a sudden just turned brown. Um, and it's, I don't know if it was subconscious or. hundred yeah. percent. I genuinely, it's so interesting. I talk to my husband about this all the time because he's also Sri Lankan. So we're same. And we've talked about this before. There's just an energetic thing when you're around other brown people, mm. it feels like home yeah. and it's just, there's less, And again, it's so subconscious. It is just less needing to prove or scared you're going to be judged. I don't know. And again, I'm not saying this is like a blanket statement. I'm just noticing in the friends in our life where we have friends that are brown or white, there's There, there is, there's something there. And I'm like, oh, so interesting. As we found out, you know, your name, you know, isn't the first name isn't Mandy. Right. Mm -hmm. And you're also going on a journey of embracing that Sri Lankan name that you were um, given and we often go with like that. I don't know. There's almost this like alter ego cafe name. And we keep that maybe because we want to, you know, in high ships words, like avoid the extra shot of awkwardness yeah. that kind of comes when you're ordering your coffee. Yeah. It's almost like, so my name isn't Sunny. My name is Sunshit. I have embraced the name Sunny because, you know, I, I don't want to correct people when they mispronounce my name. I don't want to yeah. have that kind of disadvantage that exists, right? It's almost like when you're given a name, it's almost mm-hmm. like your parents have, in at least how I was feeling in some way, mm-hmm. there's this social disadvantage from the name you were given. So it's almost from like the time you were born, there's almost this yeah. social disadvantage with the name that you were given. And I'm wondering, you know, for you, how have you kind of navigated that for yourself? I know it's very much fluid at the mm. moment, but yeah, because there, there's so much to a name. <laughs> there, there is there's, so yeah. much, so much to a name. I'm so glad we're talking about this too. A lot of the work that we do at Flourish Girl mm. is we we deliver rights of passage programs for mm. teenage girls and gender diverse teens in schools. And it's really interesting because Dr. Anna Rubenstein, a dear friend of mine, he created, he talked a lot about rights of passage and he kind of paints this visual where it's like, just to those that don't know what a rite of passage is, it's you're going from one stage of life to another. And a really significant rite of passage for a lot of women is when they get the period for the first time, Mm. you know, they go from a little girl, they go, and then they become a young woman. So there's this visual representation where you have like the caterpillar and then it goes into the cocoon and that's like where the transformation happens. And then you come out the other side as a butterfly. And what can happen when you're in the middle of a rite of passage, you're in that cocoon. If you were to like cut the cocoon in half, it would just be mushy. And like, mm-hmm. I feel like that's me right now with my cultural identity and exploring mm-hmm. who I am. It's like, I really am in the mush and it's so uncomfortable for parts of me around because there's the part that me that wants to be perfect. She wants to have all the right answers. She's like, mm-hmm. this is the breakdown and this is the breakthrough. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, there is no breakthrough yet. I'm still in the breakdown of all of it. And, you know, I'll have my moments where I'm like, ah, and then I'm going back back to the mush. But yeah, I just feel for me, yeah, I, I feel I'm definitely deep still in it. And 
Yeah. I mean, oh gosh, there's so much in my name. So first of all, when I, before I got married, so uh, my last name was Cotalavala. So that was my maiden name. That was my last name. And again, I would, I just remember in high school, just a side note, I just remember in high school roll call. So <laughs> full name, yeah, it's like yeah. fully legal. And then I just remember when you're starting school and then on the roll. So this is really cool because I haven't really mm. talked about this. So this is, thank you for creating the space. But my name was Ashani. Ashani is my first name. Amanda is my middle name. And Cotalavala before I got married. Mm. So again, Anytime in roll call, I would have to go through the whole explanation, being like, oh, yes, miss, uh, whatever the teacher was. Let's call her Miss <laughs> David. I don't know, Miss David. Um, <laughs> oh, actually, no, it's not a shiny. I'm going by Amanda, and but you can call me Mandy. So it's like the constant yeah. unfolding mm-hmm. of that. And then it was interesting once Instagram became a thing, race, like, I don't know, in the last few years, mm-hmm. would you say? Yeah. And I started to go by Mandy Cotter. So I just shortened mm-hmm. it just for branding purposes. And it's so interesting because it's looking back, it's like, oh, for branding purposes, I felt like I needed to shorten it. I'm like, I really don't judge myself for making those choices. And, you know, sometimes I do and I'm like, oh, I should have embraced my culture, but it's like, (laughs) I don't need to dwell on the past. Like that's just what I chose in that moment. And yeah, and it's interesting now with my last name now, Dante, and like even with Amanda in the middle, shorting it to Mandy, I don't go by Ashani yet. And it's interesting because my family call me Ashani. They've always called me Ashani or Asha. Mm-hmm. And there's this interesting uncomfortability I'm still working through because I've always been associated to family calling me Ashani. It's like, oh, I can't imagine my friends calling me Ashani because it's like <laughs> they've known me as Mandy. And it's, mm. and it, I don't know, it just feels uncomfortable for parts. And I'm, I'm still on that journey. I still go by Mandy. And mm. I just know I talked to Fee, who is my head of programs at Flourish Girl, one of my best friends as well, which is amazing. And she was asking me this. She's like, oh, would you ever go by your first name? And I just said, like, I could just feel in my intuition. I was like, I feel like that time is coming just right now. It's not yet. And I know mm. it's going to be. But yeah, that's just kind of <laughs> where I'm at. And again, it's not telling people who... I'm not telling everyone to go by their full names, but this is just the journey that I'm on. And yeah, Yeah. it's it's so interesting too, because even before starting this podcast, I wanted to make sure I was pronouncing your name right. And it's interesting because even for me, identifying as Australian Sri Lankan, there's a part of me that judges myself for even feeling like I need to ask that. But Mm. also it's also a respect thing for me because I'm like, oh, your name is important. Like Mm. I want to make sure I pronounce it. And I feel like I still go through that for myself when Mm. I meet someone that has an ethnic name yeah, and it's like, oh, like I know that's probably going to trigger them. And then also Mm. I'm like, but I want to make sure I respect you and say your name the way it is. And I think this is, I mean, this is what's part of it, right? Like you say something, someone might interpret it differently, but like, you know, where you're coming from in that as well. Mm. So Mm. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. It's an interesting one, but yeah, yeah. There's um, I like you know, often people mispronouncing the name of ethnics and you know people like us. Like sometimes I think that's okay because it's just a lack of knowledge. They mm. haven't yeah. grown up in that culture. They haven't understood um kind of yeah. you know phonetically how to how to say it out loud. But I think where it comes into play is where there's like a lack of effort or yes. lack of wanting to try because nice. then that that's where that's where you enter the realm of like invalidating someone's identity in yes. some way and yeah you know I'm curious for you like what does reclaiming your name look like like mm. in everyday actions as you as yeah. you progress from today to tomorrow to the next day like in mm. in your daily interactions and, and the way you live your life how are you reclaiming parts of that name back and, and your mm. identity that's attached to it god that is such a good question Honestly, like, I'm not sure. I don't know. I'm, I'm still on that journey. I feel like it's interesting when you mentioned about, um, oh, you just said something before and I've just lost respect, my Respect. Um, yes, knowledge. respect. Yes. Yeah. I just had a quick side story because, uh, you know, something at Flourish Girl is everything is so intertwined. You know, we're doing our facilitator trainings are all around, yes, upskilling, equipping our facilitators, but it's also all of our facilitators are on a journey of like they're going on their journey around flourishing Mm. for themselves. So it's like, it's both the internal and also like the external journey and uh, a training we did recently, you know, I've been quite honest with uh, my facilitators and I was just naming about, you know, the journey that I've been going on with my identity and my cultural identity as well. And that really opened up a space for other facilitators that are cultural, cultural um, Mm. and are ethnic and one one facilitator 
mentioned how they've always gone by the nickname and for like 12 years, she's always wanted to go by her full name, but she was scared to actually ask people of that. So now she, everyone calls her by her full name. We've changed her full name. We've changed her name on our emails. Everyone has Flourish Girl emails. And it's like, that's part of reclaiming. It's actually, you know, the moments when people might mispronounce your name, it's actually like, oh, sorry, no, it's, this is how you pronounce it. It's not allowing it to keep going. It's like, no, no, I want you to also respect me and my culture. So I'm going to tell you how how to say it. And I think mm. that's uncomfortable. It can be comfortable, especially who it is, but mm. it's, a, it's a teaching moment. There's so many teaching moments in those small moments, if, and if it's the roll call, being like, oh no, actually you say it like this. And mm. there's nothing wrong in that. I think that's reclaiming your name. And yeah. yeah, I feel, yeah, I feel like reclaiming the name. It's It's just me going more inward because the more that I actually get to know myself and, you know, I'm, I'm quite a spiritual person as well. I have my spiritual practices and the more that I'm integrated in, in, in spirit as well, then I'm constantly learning more about me, which adds more to my name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it seems like there's been a journey here. Like there's this um, yearning that you really want to connect with your original name that your parents gave you um you know i'd be really interested to understand that journey in in connecting with your name again what did that what did that look like it's so it's just amazing this the timing of this podcast because like just context we've had to like reschedule this a few times but it's Mm, it's actually all divine timing this is the perfect time because it's only been in the last few months that i've really started to have this yearning to really own more of my culture and who I am. And, mm. and yeah, it's interesting because uh, I never, it's good. I'm just kind of languaging. I'm just thinking out loud and mm. talking out loud. It's just <laughs> not a space to unpack it. Mm. Yeah. Cause I feel like, you know, my parents gave me that name and there's, there's a legacy that I'm taking on, you know, from my mm. family and yeah, my mom and my dad, wanted to call me Ashani first. Mm. There's a reason why they wanted my first name to be Ashani. This is really cool. I'm getting this in real time. Yeah. <laughs> We're having the breakthroughs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the bottled up podcast this is amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, and look, and my parents, they're so amazing. Like they've always been very understanding. This kind of comes back to the one of your questions, Sunny, around um, what were they like? And my dad's always been quite entrepreneurial growing up. He's always started like side projects. He's always loved that. And I think when, and my mom's just love on legs. She just, yeah. I mean, that's probably where I got my deep love for people from my mm. mom. And I think mm. they just really, I don't know how they did it, mm. but they did a great job with raising <laughs> me and my older sister. I'm just like, mm. they have won life, you know, they've mm. really done the best. And yeah, so I think it just kind of comes back to, you know, I think a lot of the spiritual work that I'm I'm doing at the moment, it's, you know, we talk, I don't know if you've heard of people talking about like ancestral healing or, you know, a little like, bit from Christian. Little, oh, okay, yeah. great. Perfect. Yeah. We can do a uh, podcast show notes to go to Christian's podcast. <laughs> yeah. We want yep, just yep. to link it all yeah. together, but it yeah. is, it's like, you know, there's, uh, it's carrying on that ancestral like lineage as well. Mm. Yeah. So I just feel like, Yes, like embracing more of my first name is going to help me really bridge that for myself. Mm. Yeah, so that's really cool. Thanks. <laughs> Getting the insights. Mm. Awesome. Yeah. It's a, I mean, I haven't even told you this. Like um, for me, so I, I live with my mom, a single mom, and dad hasn't really been a big part of my life for like the last decade or so. And so my last name is Bahugana, which comes from dad's side. And mom's maiden name is Joshi. Uh, like it's Jack Josh and then I. And weirdly in like the last like five, six months, it's just been popping in my head. Like Joshi, like I feel much more connected. Like I'm really well connected to mom's side of the family, mm-hmm. not very well connected to dad's side of the family. But every time that name Bahugana comes up in conversation, it's always like, it, it reminds me of that part. Mm-hmm. And um, that's a whole like, <laughs> a lot more to unpack there. But it's also weird because it's that, that little voice like was never there for like the mm-hmm. last 23, 24 years of my life. Mm-hmm. And now in the last five, six months, it's kind of been popping. They're like, oh, Sunny Joshi. Like I feel much more connected to that name or wow. Sanjit Joshi. So I, I don't know where this might take me in the next like couple of years, mm-hmm. but it's just that little that's voice cool. that's just like pinging out a little bit. And yeah. it goes back to kind of being, you want your name to be a representation of your identity and the connections that you nice. hold. Like when someone says like, oh, where does that name come from? I want to be able to tell a story behind that. Nice. That's for me. And so Ooh, for, me, I, for me, I feel like I'm able to make a 
yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm more able to authentically tell my story um, mm. with the last name Joshi. But I'm kind of, <laughs> this is news to you, but That's yeah, huge. a lot of breakthroughs huge. coming out in this podcast. <laughs> yeah, wow. But yeah, I thought I'd just add that. That's huge. And like, yeah, thank you for sharing that because, yeah, you're clearly something is dropping in for you. Mm. That feels really true potentially as well. Yeah, so good on yeah, you for yeah. exploring that. Yeah. And, and that's the beauty of mental health, right? I think it's it's one of the space, it's, it's a, one of the rare spaces which is so intersectional. And when I mean, you've got like po- politics, external environment, gender, nature versus nurture, there's so many things that intersect with mental health and so many different factors that can affect someone's mental health. Uh, a topic that um, that's in the that's been in the news, and of, of course, there's been a changing definition of what it's, what it's like is around just masculinity, and and particularly um, toxic masculinity, um, especially when you've got something so powerful as your external environment um, influencing your behavior. Uh, and I think on the the flip side of that, you've got this idea of toxic femininity, and. I'd be keen to unpack your experience in high school uh, with this. What what did that look like for you? How how did that form in your eyes? Yeah, oh, this is so good. I remember talking about toxic femininity, I don't know, maybe it was last year on my Instagram. And mm. yeah, it's just so interesting because it is something we don't talk about, you know, mm. and I think it's important to look out as well, you know, if you identify as a woman or you're a feminine being. And I think really what it comes down to is toxic femininity is when you choose to not fully love yourself, mm. you know? Mm. And I think, again, a lot of my spiritual work, I've been doing a lot of um, inner work, as you can tell through mm. what I'm sharing. And <laughs> You know, I think part of toxic femininity is when those parts take over and you're not actually in your higher self, you're not in your Mm. core, your center. And all of that really at the bottom of it is that like we're not choosing to love ourselves. And Mm. yeah, toxic femininity for me is when I choose to not love myself and I don't choose to talk to those parts. So like I've got my little girl who has a sadness. And I allow Miss Sadness to just share how she's feeling. And I think so often in this self-help spiritual space, it's so easy Mm -hmm. to just numb those parts or avoid it or just put a blanket positive statement over it. And it's like, no, 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 give space for that part to share. Mm Miss Sadness Mm. has been holding on for so long Mm. and that's really what it's about. It's, it's ultimate embodiment of self-love and Mm. yeah, coming back to the toxic femininity, that's really what it is because it's very easy. Like I could have just given you the answer of toxic femininity is when women pull other women down, blah, 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 which is Mm. all fair. But the thing that we're missing in these conversations is we're still so in our mind, we're giving Mm. all these rules, tips, all these things. It's like, we don't need any more consuming. We just need to feel and sit still and embody. And mm. yeah, I feel like that's really what's happening. And, you know, we talk, I've been on a journey with healing my sisterhood wounds, which is that, which was quite ironic because I'm the mm. CEO and founder of Flourish Girl, mm. you know, yeah. oh, I should be embodying women empowerment. But yeah, there was clearly parts of me, parts of me that couldn't trust other women because she was scared mm. that she would get bullied how she or like get rejected from what she saw in high mm. school mm. so th- yeah it's it's when I started to heal that for so long I've built this construct of Mandy well mm. yeah parts of me have and I've always been able to articulate exactly how I'm feeling but it's always been curated vulnerability and I, I brought that up on my Instagram this week there's a difference between curated vulnerability and actual vulnerability mm. and I think yeah. And it's just like, oh yeah, it's been able to just lean into all of that. So I guess you provide like a little segue to it. Uh, one of my friends over in the UK, she reached out and she shared this article on the role that women play uh, in perpetrating toxic masculinity. And I feel like it's a topic that doesn't really get talked about that much. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm keen to know, cause like for me, I still am learning a lot more about this space. Um, mm-hmm. Each conversation I'm having with a lot of different people like yourself and others, there's so much to learn and, and mm. you're getting all these different angles that you're learning. And so I've actually written it down like the question, cause there's like so much to unpack and I want to make sure that totally. I'm saying it right. But obviously a lot of us think that toxic masculinity is often part of bro culture, like bro mm. culture. And, mm. you know, she was talking about how to some degree women can play a role in perpetrating that. And I'm keen to know, obviously this is quite relevant to like South Asian culture where patriarchy is quite strong uh, mm. and often stronger on average. And I'm wondering if you had, 
you know, sort of any thoughts on that and kind of what you're seeing and what your thoughts are on it. Cause I don't think I, at least for me, I often don't hear that much dialogue happening um, mm. and how we can all be responsible beings, you know, in different relationships and our different parts in our life in bringing our best, best self to that relationship. Um, mm. But yeah, there's a lot to unpack on that one. As well. There's a lot to unpack. So it's kind of like, just so I'm catching it. So it's more yep. like, how do women play a role within toxic masculinity or yeah. how do, how does it continue? Yeah. Yes. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. An, an, okay. an, exa- an example is like maybe yeah. a mother telling her son not to cry because it's not yes. manly. Like that, that's, yeah. that's one example. So mm. um, yeah, it can, it can kind of manifest itself in, in many yeah. different ways. Um, yeah. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. So it's good. It's good. Cause I feel like, again, like women and the feminine is just so diverse and expansive. So like, mm. we've got women that are just so there's women that are really submissive. They don't speak their mind and like, they rather just bottle it up, which is like, mm. I've definitely fallen into that category before and still do sometimes as well. I check myself mm. constantly. And then there's moments where there's women that are stepping fully into their power and naming stuff. And I feel mm. like it's just amazing. Like, you, I don't know if you can feel it, but right now with everything with Chanel Contas and Grace Tame, and there's all these yeah, women that are really starting to speak up and it's really starting to shake some foundations. And I think it's in the shaking up, it's in the speaking up um, and out that we're starting to like really address toxic masculinity. I'm also aware, you know, I am a woman and I mm. obviously like, you know, talking to someone else that's a leader in the space will have their thread of it. So I am aware yeah. of that. But from a feminine lens, it's like, okay, what can, what is it that women are doing? And again, huge thing for me to represent women. But mm. in terms of my experience, I feel like I've, and again, it's timely this podcast because it's only in recent weeks that I've really started to step more into my power and really start. And again, I was talking about the parts of me, the really giving love to miss self-doubt, you know, mm. because for so long, of course, women feel unsafe to fully step into their power because it's never been safe for them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the constant judgment from the masculine, putting them down, questioning, and not even the masculine. There's other women that put other women down and that kind of mm-hmm. ties back into the fem- toxic mm-hmm. femininity. It's like, I've been on a real journey and I still am where, when I'm starting to speak my truth, it is so scary for parts of me. It's a visceral mm-hmm. feeling where I was sitting in a circle the other weekend and my body was shaking because there was this truth I wanted to share and call in some male um, privilege and power that was playing Mm. out in the space. And those parts were freaking out. And that's okay because my body was just trying to protect me because she's like, oh no, we're not going to be safe, but we did Mm. it anyways. And I feel, Mm. and again, after speaking it, Miss Self-Doubt comes up in like, mm. was I overthinking? Was I being mm. dramatic? And all of those parts. But mm. it's being able to start to call things in because I feel the feminine sees so much. Women mm. see so much. But for so long, they just haven't been able to share. And that's okay. Like, because it's easy to just judge that. And I've done that. Being like, oh, I should have named that before. But it's like, no, that's okay. You parts apart felt unsafe. And we need to give love to that part and honor my energetic boundaries right now. We mm. cannot have that conversation and that's okay. I think sometimes with the feminine power really rising, sometimes you've got to just check with yourself to make sure you feel safe as well. Yeah. So I think calling in is going to be a big one. That's really going to help with toxic masculinity and also being patient with women that may not speak their truth yet, mm. because sometimes you might have moments as a woman where you're calling in toxic masculinity or male privilege but to another woman that is so scary and it's like it's so dangerous to push people like I've got a girlfriend of mine who's also like a feminine elder for me Mm -hmm. she's like it's dangerous to push people too fast like yes you can challenge people but it's their choice ultimately at the end of the day around whether they want to call that in or not Um, Mm -hmm. because it is it's a big role and responsibility it's challenging it's messy we're still in the mush of all of it so Mm -hmm. yeah I think there's there's that lens as well yeah that's a very good response i know Raish is probably listening in so i hope that provides some light because i know that was on her mind um 
yeah, the work of like Grace Team and um, mm. you know everyone else in the space. It's definitely shaking things up, and I'm all yeah. for it. Hundred um, yeah. percent. Yeah, it's messy in the sense is because it's very new. The way mm. in which we're really starting to unpack it is we're doing it in this new way, and it might exist. We just haven't got models of it around us already. Yep. Mm. So it is uncomfortable. It's constantly speaking truth and then checking. Like, yeah, it's just constantly checking and making sure mm. like we're both feeling safe and empowered in this conversation. Mm. Um, we're both in our highest selves, our grounded selves. We're in this conversation. We're not allowing those parts of us to take the show. Mm. Um, yeah, which is, yeah. it's a constant journey. But one, one, one follow on from that is like, one thing I'm really struggling with is there's so many external demands that exist. Like a lot of people wanting to catch up here or like, you know, they have a request here or, you know, they might expect you to be connected in some way. And um, I don't know if I'm articulating this right, but it's this notion of like, you know, Hesh talks about it, like get people to work around you, you know, don't be the one that always folds and um, is always flexible or, you know, um, you're discounting yourself to other people's sort of schedule. Um, mm. how, like, you know, you're incredibly busy, <laughs> like balancing a lot of different hats. And I'm, I'm curious to know, even, you know, it's a, it's a curiosity question. Like, how do you kind of balance all those demands and also create time for yourself? Cause it's so hard. Yeah. And I don't think that's like, yeah. it's one of those things that's honestly, like if you can find and it, it will constantly evolve, but mm. I always have in my mind, you know, there's, there's a list of different things, but if you can try and figure out a process around it, you know, earlier mm. on in your life, it can only mm. serve you for the better later on. Like yeah. tech is always going to be around us. Like I don't think that's going away in the next yeah. five or six decades. So yeah. being able to establish mm. your relationship and your boundaries with tech now can mm. only serve you better as you get older and as it yeah. becomes more widely adopted in your own life. And mm. so I like tech is one thing, but there's so many other things. Like fitness is another thing, for example, yeah. right? Like there's no way that not exercising is ever going to make you fit. And so mm. I'm curious to know for you, like, how have you kind of gone about balancing that? Like, um, it's tough. <laughs> oh boy, it's mm. tough. Uh, yeah. Again, I would love to give you a curated answer and say yeah. that I do this, but yeah. again, I'm know, still in the mush of this as and, well. And, and, There's many and, things I'm in the mush yeah. of. <laughs> yep. I think, I think anyone, anyone listening as well, like it doesn't matter, like, how many things you're balancing and you might yeah. seem like you're balancing. Cause I often get overwhelmed by, you know, I look at this person who's like balancing six different things and, yeah. you know, it seems from the outside that they're um, they've got it all together, but then I go on a coffee and I walk with them and I realize that they're severely burnt out and they're trying yeah. to figure out everything. And they're just as unsure about themselves as they were like two years ago. Yeah. Um, and so it's quite interesting, you know, perceptively when you think that everyone has got it sorted. And I imagine that, a lot of people listening, you know, might fall into that bucket and be like, yeah, shit, I, I relate yeah. to that. Like, you know, I have all these things and from the outside, I look, you know, really great, but I'm just balancing it out and kind of taking it like, you know, an totally. hour at a time. So yeah, um, I'm keen to know like, yeah, for you, like, how are you balancing it? I, I know it's very fluid and I know it's still yeah. very much, you know, non-curated at the moment, but yeah, yeah, I'd be really curious as would, I think a lot of people listening as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh. There's so many different threads there. I feel for me with balancing, yeah, it's definitely never balanced. I definitely mm. can swing the complete opposite sides from like fully relaxed, gone for a sauna, just mm. being in nature, yeah, in bliss, <laughs> love a sauna. Yeah. <laughs> and then I go to like, yeah, 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 yeah okay, yeah, yeah, get shit done. And <laughs> yeah. just like, you know, go, go, go. So I definitely, it's just the constant like pendulum swing mm. both ways. But mm. things that I've realized for me is, yeah, really redefining what power and productivity looks like for me personally. Mm. And I, mm. I'm still on that journey because, you know, I'm quite a feminine person, but I'm realizing how much I've been operating in my masculine to like mm. get stuff done. I've been so, re parts have been so reactive to, emails, getting my emails down to zero or like mm. making sure I get back to every WhatsApp group that I'm in because mm. I'm in a thousand mm. WhatsApp groups mm. and then, you know, getting back to all my emails. And I think something that actually my chair mm. of Flourish Girls said, um, Lil, she's like, because I mean, she's a single mom of four teenagers mm. and like she right. runs her own business, like apps, mm. like part of Flourish Girl, like she absolute powerhouse. And I was just like, how do you do it? She's like, honestly, I don't know how I do it. I just take it a step at a time. Mm. But like, it's been, and she said something, it's like, you're just going to be okay that you're just going to disappoint people. Mm. And there was something mm. in that hearing it from her. Cause I mean, I see her as an absolute role model in my life. It was just kind of nice to know that I'm like, oh yeah, there's just going to be times where I 
will disappoint people and I just need to be with those parts. But it's not making it as an excuse. It's obviously always looking at how can I, where do I need to take responsibility, but how how can I give myself grace as well? So I think the number one thing with finding balance is yeah, giving yourself grace to know that you're not, there's no right way to get a balanced lifestyle. Mm. But I think it's just having that time for yourself, which can be so hard, honestly. Like I had to delete Instagram off my phone because mm, again, it was just so crazy. And then if I need a post, yeah. I need to reinstall it. So it's a whole thing that yeah. it, it requires effort. But, yeah. you know, I'm not sitting here being like, oh, I've, my uh, social media practices are healthy because it definitely isn't mm. at the moment. And yeah, and even on this podcast, it's like, I'm so committed to not making it, yeah, just making sure it's healthy because mm. yeah, I can fall into wanting to get validation, you know, Flourish Girls doing all these amazing things. Let's get lots of likes and engagement. Wow. But it's like, well, yeah, it's not everything you see on Instagram isn't everything, you know, like I'm realizing how much anxiety that is in my body and I'm just trying to like feel through and get the guidance I need to be able to not allow mm. there to be anxiety anymore. And not, not that it's getting rid of it. It's just listening to the body and asking the body what it needs. Um, because sometimes our mind thinks that it's going to the gym, it's doing all mm. these things. It's like, oh, no, actually, let me just ask my body what it wants. Yeah. Um, so again, it's just this constant coming back to yourself. Uh, mm. I think that's been. Yeah. They're, they're, so yeah, go ahead, Sonny. I was going to say, I was just going to make a note, like Mandy, um, one, one thing, you know, in what you're saying is like, for me, I feel like there's two minds that I have. One is like the monk mind and one is like the hard line discipline, get shit done mind. Nice. And, yep. and like the monk mind for me is just mind. like. I yeah. love that so much. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to yeah, quote that. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Like the monk, monk mind is just like, yeah, like we're all going to die. Like, what's the point? Like, it's almost like mm. existential. Uh, and that, um, that existential part of that brain often drives like, you know, let's, let's just be. I don't know. You can kind of infer like, you know, go into a forest, like dance in a forest or like just hang out and do things that really matter to me or, you know, whatever it might be, like all those things that, that come up there. Mm. But then the hardline mind of mine is like, or the discipline side of it is like, um, you know, work hard in your twenties. Cause then you can, you know, have a, you know, better thirties yeah. or forties and, you yeah. know, everything, everything is going to um, work out in the end, you know, the mm. delayed gratification. And so it, I guess it's almost like instant gratification, like doing things that really, you know, th things that make you, um, you know, laugh, happy, um, enjoy versus things that like, oh, in the future, this will work out. Um, mm. I don't know if I'm, I'm mm. explaining it really poorly, but I, yeah. I kind of traverse between those two minds and it's a, it's a, it's a constant battle for me. Um, and I feel like the, I've, I've spoken about this with a couple of people as well. And they also say that they, they often traverse between those two worlds. And mm. I feel like even in the stuff that you were saying, it almost seems like you also relate to that in, in some way. Um, because totally. in, in an ideal world, you probably, I don't know, maybe don't want to be doing all the legal admin operations, you know, all the other things that, you know, is necessary, but yeah, I don't know. Like it's a, it's 100%. a, it's a mishmash in my head. Cause I'm still articulating it myself and it's probably coming yeah. out as I'm articulating it. But yeah. um, yeah, I, I feel like you can relate to that in, in some way. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. It's totally that balance. And I think this is, I mean, specifically when I'm talking about startup culture, it is, mm. it's, you're doing things that it might not light you up completely, but mm. you have to do it. And I think it's interesting too, because something, you know, every, every energy is everything, right? So like, even for me in those moments where I do need to reconcile our zero right now, mm. because that's just, we don't have a bookkeeper here, but if there's anyone pro bono bookkeeping, <laughs> but yeah, it's like, okay, this is where we're at right now. How can I create this to be something that I love? Yeah. And, you know, there's parts I don't love it and that's okay, but how can I create this to be more energizing? So like mm. I do this thing where I either like, yeah, I listen to a song or I have a little bit of a dance or I brew a cup of tea or I just need to make it somewhat energizing, you know? Mm. So yeah, because it is, it is that balance between this is like the physical realm stuff, like, oh, I need to go and do this because- mm if I don't do X, Y doesn't happen. There's a reality to that, but how we want to, uh, how we want to be in that process is a choice, mm. you know? And this is where like, we can choose to be in suffering or we can choose to just allow it to be. Mm. Again, monk mind, you know, I read lots of different spiritual texts, but like at the moment, it's the Tao. It's like, you know, it's just like, just being with that, 
just been with it. So, yep, I'm still on a journey of it. So I'm yeah. this stuff, but I'm not saying I'm a monk. I'm just yeah. like, <laughs> I was, I have my mm. breakdowns here and yeah. there. Damn, what a conversation. <laughs> yeah, what a conversation, yeah. This is wild. Yeah. This is amazing. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, everything um, everything happens for a reason. All those, oh, um, all those yeah. postpones and, um, yeah, like I'm, I, I, even like a lot of the people that come on the podcast, like, you know, Himmel, for example, Mank, um, you know, mm. we're talking yeah. about, Himmel. you might know Himmel Pillay. I don't know. If yes, yes, know. yes. One of our closest friends, I was out with him last night as well. Oh, um, amazing. We, he came on for a podcast ages ago, mm. um, like in the first five that we did, and mm. he's coming on for another episode and we were in the sauna. Uh, <laughs> and we we're it's talking all about back it. to the sauna. Yeah, yeah. Sauna, love a sauna. Um, and uh, he was just like, oh, like we've postponed our conversation a couple of times. And I was like, yeah, but like, honestly, it's not a bad thing because I feel like you'll be in a different spot uh, mm. in three or four months time and you'll have four months of yeah. extra evolution that would have taken mm. place. And he was like, 100%. yeah, you're right. Um, and mm. so I feel like, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I feel mm. like it's a it's a good message. We're always in a constant evolution and it's actually 100%. quite nice to see, yeah. you know, even looking back, we've had a couple of, um, uh, you know, I can spill a little bit about Hesh and like, you know, how he's talking, we talked about in the episode about, you know, being a father and like mm. what that might look like. And um, he was talking about, you know, what that journey is and his relationship mm. with his father. And mm. uh, it was almost like that episode captured, it was almost like he was publicly sharing kind of where he saw himself and that's that's an episode yeah. he can look back at in the next five Beautiful. years time and be like yeah. did i honor what i said at that mm. time um, mm. and if he didn't it's a completely different evolution journey that he's been on totally. so um, 100%. conversations it, are yeah. conversations are awesome oh and it's mm. so great and it's just like this is just classic what we do as humans it's like mm. we think we know the plan we know where it's going to go and then like the universe and the spirit just they throw you mm. something completely different and it's yeah. like it's like it's like in the bible it talks about how um you know you can plant you can throw the seeds oh no no you can roll the dice mm. but you don't know where it's going to land mm. like you don't know which mm. side it's going to throw so it's like yeah we really have no idea. We're, we're just trying to convince mm. ourselves that there is certainty, but mm. <laughs> certainty, yeah. but it's not a scary thing as well. Yeah. You know, it, I mean, it can be scary for parts. Yep. That's valid, but also yep. we are so held by the mm. people around us, by ourselves, by mm. yeah, whatever you believe mm. in as well. Mm. Wait, just Mandy, just on that spiritual point. I mean, uh, I, yeah, I don't consider myself that spiritual. I mean, I normally see the the benefits of being spiritual or religious um, from a community and social standpoint. I think it's a really good way of of bringing people together. Uh, I'd love to to know, and I would love to explore a little bit more on your your journey to becoming spiritual. How did that sort of take place? Yeah, Yeah. I mean, my spiritual journey, you know, I grew up in a Buddhist family, Mm. so Mm. very different, but it was more Mm. of like a cultural thing. Like it wasn't so much that I chose it, but like, you know, we went to temple on the special occasions. My, Mm. my dad would play the, I think it was called Philip tapes or the monk tapes on a Mm. Sunday morning. So like, again, it was just a thing that I knew of, but I didn't Mm. really choose it. And I think, Mm. you know, I went to an all girls school that was an Anglican school. So we had chapel and again, didn't really know it, didn't choose it. And it yeah. was really after leaving high school that I went through. Yeah, I think it was it was issues for a younger me of, you know, really wanted to get a job, wasn't getting any work. And um, I failed my first subject in uni, which meant like I would be automatically a year behind and all these things were happening. And I just remember because mm. my husband grew up in like a Christian faith and he had like a Christian faith. And um, mm. all of a sudden one week I passed my exam because I got it remarked, passed by two marks. And then I got off of these two casual jobs. And I remember yeah. going to Yo because I was dating him before we got married This was mm. ages ago. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, this is what happened. This is amazing. And he's like, oh, do you know why? And I'm like, why? He's like, oh, because I've been praying for you. And I'm like, oh, that's really nice. Mm. And then he he invited me to church. Um, he t- invited me to church. And then that was like a whole process as well um, mm. in terms of me going. And yeah, so yeah, then I started to go. And there was something in me that decided, I'm like, oh, you know, I'm going to choose this. I'm going to follow Jesus, Holy Spirit. This is my path. And mm. um, yeah, and then I ended up being a Christian for over 10 years. Uh, and it's actually really interesting because my spiritual journey is still unfolding. Um, mm. I feel mm. like I I don't label myself as a Christian, but I mm. still have a relationship with Jesus and Holy Spirit right now. And also I'm open to other practices like, you know, just energy, cosmos, spirit. Yeah. Goddess energy. Or like there's just so much. And I'm realizing that it yeah. is so expansive and I've just 
Christianity has been an amazing space, but now mm. I'm like building out on that and really making it my own. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So I'm still on that journey for sure. Mm. So I might look back at this and be like, oh, that was really interesting. I said that. And really, this is where I'm at. So <laughs> mm. where I'm at. Yeah. And it's really nice. Yeah, I just said it's really nice to share that because I don't think I've really, mm. I've never shared mm. that in a public yeah. domain. Mm. And yeah. now parts are freaking out. She's like, oh my God, did we say? <laughs> Love it. So good. Mandy, one last question before we wrap up for yeah. today. Um, we've talked a lot about Flourish Girl. Final question was just going to be, obviously, what's next for Flourish Girl? Mm. Where can people find you? Where can people find Flourish Girl? We'll put a lot of those details in the show notes, but this is just your space. We'll talk about the bookkeeper as well. I think Mank and I have a couple of thoughts. Yes. Uh, on oh, that after amazing. This episode. Like, yes, we'll, share yes, it. Yes. we'll try and find a way of sharing it. Oh, yes. Yes. Amazing. Um, yes. But yeah, this is this is your space. Um, yeah. What's next? Where can people find you? Yeah. Oh, thank you for the space. I, yeah, I mean, the first place you can go to is just go to our website, flourishgirl.org. Uh, and yeah, I think the best ways you could support us is we're always looking to partner with more schools. So, mm. you know, if Flourish Girl isn't at your school or if your old high school or, you know, any connections to schools in Victoria at the moment, we're focusing on Victoria at the moment. So yep. um, any introductions to schools would be amazing. And any opportunities to, you know, speak about Flourish Girl, you know, mm. I, I love, as you can tell, I love speaking about Flourish Girl. So even if it's at any upcoming school conferences or at your school assembly or anything in that space, that would be amazing. And and another thing at Flourish Girl, we've just recently received our DGR1 status as a charity, uh, nice, which nice. is Congrats, those yes. in the charity Huge. space know this is a big deal. So yep. honestly, Huge. any donation, we've got donations that mm. you can give through our website, any donation, big or small, like it makes a huge difference to us at Flourish Girl because we are very, yeah, we're a very small team. It's just me mm. and Fee. And, you yeah. know, it's really exciting because we just um, announced we've just worked with over 10,000 teenage girls and gender diverse teens. Yeah, so, wow. yeah, so like it's amazing, you know, it's it's mm. incredible. Thank you. It's It really is such a team effort. Like mm. oh, it's, it's so surreal and also amazing, but also like we know the demand's there now. It's just we, we do need that resource to help mm. us really take us to that next level so yeah any donations any introductions to people that might have more say in that space would be amazing i mean really the list is extensive but those <laughs> those are the ones that are kind of pressing up and coming up for me yeah yeah yeah, yeah we're just continuing to scale you know we've mm. we're pretty much nearly booked out for term three which is crazy because wow. yeah we've just mm. finished term two uh, but yeah we're you know really wanting to focus on booking out term four now and I mean, these are very immediate things, but also like I'm really working quite closely with our board and some key organizations around just where are we heading in the next 10 years? And I've started to do some dreaming around that, which has been very exciting. Mm. And yeah, you know, we really see Flourish Girl being one of the leading rites of passage programs for teenage girls and gender diverse teens in schools. Um yeah. And, you know, within that, there's just so many threads, but the biggest one is like, we're really going to continue to really build out our programs and really making sure it's innovative. We're constantly innovating with our programs, looking into bringing some digital offerings as well. And it's, it's been a really cool space. We've started to do some crossover with the man cave with some of the schools mm. we co-deliver with nice. because schools are wanting things more together now yep. um that's mm. kind of where the school system is going is going to this co-gender space so we're really wanting to make sure we're meeting the students with where they're at and what the schools want instead mm. of thinking what we sh they should do mm. um yeah and then we're also looking to build, really build out our evidence base as well because again we've been doing this for a while but it's we're really looking to get you know funding to have independent evaluations of our programs to really mm. make sure that we're really achieving the change we're really wanting to seek in Flourish Girl. Mm. Um, yeah. And then also for me, my biggest thing right now is really building our core capacity funding to bring mm. on more people to really help us um, and build that solid base in Victoria in the next few years. And mm. yeah, eventually we're looking to expand, but it's just looking at what's the smartest way to do that without burning ourselves out. So mm, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then, and, and, you know, a big element of Flourish Girl is the community piece, you know, yeah. like how, catalyzing a Flourish Girl community. How do we create communities within schools, communities between parents, between young people as well? So we're really seeing Flourish Girl being that connecting piece as well as other 
similar organizations mm. like in the consent space and um, all of those big things kind of emerging. So mm. thank you so yeah. much for having me. And, you know, it was something I was reflecting on before I jumped on and I'm like, oh, it's just really, you know, you're both embodying healthy masculinity by creating the space for the feminine voice to be heard. So I really just want to honor, yeah, both of you for yeah reaching out and allowing me to come on as well, because yeah, you know, we talked about toxic masculinity, but you know, the flip side is like you're demonstrating healthy masculinity. So yeah. yeah. Thank you. So I think nothing else on my end. I think I'm uh, I'm all yeah, questioned out. I'm yeah, I'm incredibly happy. It's uh yeah, I feel really energized. So thank oh, you, Mandy, thank and you. and thank you for coming on. Um, let's put in a placeholder for the second one at at 100%. some stage after let's this. But um, yeah, thank you. Thanks. Thank Thanks, you. Mandy. And that's a wrap for this episode. If you're enjoying our conversations, please help us out with a quick rate and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. All the conversations are recorded in video, so check us out on Instagram and Facebook at our handle at BottledUpOz. Drop us a comment or a message if any of these conversations resonate with you, and most importantly, please share this podcast with anyone who might need it. So as always, this is Bottled Up. Thanks for being part of our family, and see you next time.